Coming up on Stew Does America, there are new questions about the reporting of Ronan Farrow, and there are old questions about whether he is really the son of Frank Sinatra. We'll get into both. Bridget Fettesi joins us to talk about the future of the Me Too movement, living the corona life in California and the ongoing dumpster fire of 2020. Plus, Hunter Biden has officially been subpoenaed over his questionable work with Ukraine, and I've officially subpoenaed Jason Buttrell to come here and tell us all about it. To watch every episode of the show, just go to YouTube, search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. Click the bell to get all your notifications for new stuff and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Just make sure to include, it's great, whatever, in your review so that I know you're one of the cool kids. And you can subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. You'll be glad to hear that gyms have finally opened up here in Texas. Unfortunately, now that I'm ready to join, they all burn to the ground simultaneously. Later tonight. Stu does America. 7777. The Me Too movement has uh, had an interesting few days. By the way, can we change the name of this thing? I just worry what the next Harvey Weinstein is going to do when everywhere he goes, there are women saying, me too. It just seems like it just might, you know, he might take it as a bunch of requests. Although for Harvey Weinstein, any sign of a willing participant would be a turnoff. So maybe it evens out. I don't know. Unquestionably, the Me Too movement has done a lot of good. It's an incredibly important thing. Obviously, people who are the victims of horrific crimes, if they don't feel like telling the truth, uh, you know, is is the thing that they can do safely. I mean, that's ridiculous. If they think it's almost as bad as the crime itself, we are a loser society. If you disagree with that, you suck. But we seem to be learning every day that society has tended to convert the seriousness of an accusation into some sort of infallibility of the person making it and or reporting on it. The latest version of this would be Ronan Farrow. He's the son of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen and most definitely not actually the son of Frank Sinatra. I don't see any resemblance at all. You might remember Ronan Farrow as the person who initially broke the Harvey Weinstein story. And if you did, you would be wrong because it was actually Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy who broke the Harvey Weinstein story. They had it first. Farrow published his story second. In one of the many ironies of the Me Too era, the biggest Me Too story of them all was broken by two female reporters and some dude is getting all the credit. A dude that is definitely not the son of Frank Sinatra. Suddenly, journalism's golden boy has been getting a little bit of criticism. First came Ben Smith at the New York Times with his piece, Is Ronan Farrow Too Good to Be True? In it, Smith outlines numerous problems with the supposed journalism of definitely not Frank Sinatra's son, Ronan Farrow. From his reporting in his book about specific harassment claims to storytelling about the next supposed bombshell coming in the investigation of Donald Trump, Smith writes that Pharaoh's, quote, reporting can be misleading, but he doesn't make things up. His work, though, reveals the weakness of a kind of resistance journalism that has thrived in the age of Donald Trump. That if reporters swim ably along with the tides of social media and produce damaging reporting about public figures most disliked by the loudest voices, the old rules of fairness and open mindedness can seem more like impediments than essential journalistic imperatives. And if that doesn't describe the problem with journalism today, I don't know what does. Then yesterday, Matt Lauer wrote his own piece about Pharaoh's reporting for Mediaite. It's understandable if you don't believe someone like Lauer, who obviously has an incentive to do everything he can to cast doubt on Pharaoh's book, 
which accused Lauer's, uh, Lauer of you know, crimes far worse than he was actually fired for. But what makes it interesting is that Lauer isn't just saying, I didn't do it. For example, Lauer's accuser says when she was assaulted and then she went crying, uh, she ran into the new guy she'd started seeing, a producer who was working in the control room that morning, and told him what had happened. He might not be a journalist, but I think any person can figure out what you're supposed to do after hearing that story. Check with the new guy, right? See if it's true. I mean, that's what you do. You follow up. But that's not what Pharaoh did. He just bought it without checking. How do we know this? Well, the new guy, the new guy, said none of this ever happened. This was not only argued by Lauer, of course, but also confirmed by Mediaite and the New York Times. You can argue that maybe the new guy was lying about this for some reason. Maybe he's just a huge fan of parade coverage and loved Lauer. I mean, it makes little sense that he would lie to help the guy who was sleeping with his girlfriend, but okay. It still doesn't excuse Pharaoh for not even calling the guy. Pharaoh also tried to leverage his newfound street cred against Brett Kavanaugh as he brought forward one of the later Kavanaugh accusers. You might remember this her story, quote, In her initial conversations with The New Yorker, she was reluctant to characterize Kavanaugh's role in the alleged incident with certainty. Huh? After six days of carefully assessing her memories and consulting with her attorney, Ramirez, the accuser, said that she felt confident enough of her recollections to say that she remembers Kavanaugh had exposed himself at a drunken dormitory party. (laughs) What? After six days of assessing her memories with her attorney? Really? And even the New Yorker itself admitted they couldn't find even one person who would confirm that Kavanaugh was even at the party. But yet Pharaoh remained a hero. Finally, that seems to be changing a little bit, at least. If it all does come crashing down for Ronan, at least he can make some money selling his Pulitzer Prize. Or by writing a book about the fact that he really is the son of Frank Sinatra, which, yes, is just a rumor, I grant you that, but it has far more evidence behind it than anything he ever wrote about Brett Kavanaugh. So where does Me Too go from here? There's a new piece out entitled Rebuilding Me Too. Just because politics took the movement and made it toxic doesn't mean we can't take it back. We talk to its author, Bridget Phetasy, in a minute. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, you deserve the best coffee beans from around the world delivered right to your door. It's true. Cut corners with the other crap in your life. You deserve the best coffee that you can get. Now it's not the time to settle for some crappy grocery store brand. Come on. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built for a time just like this. They were shipping their coffee to you when COVID-19 was just the dream in the tiny eye of a pangolin at a Wuhan wet market. Veteran-owned and operated premium small-batch roast-to-order coffee company Black Rifle Coffee imports only the highest quality beans from around the world. And it's always fresh. Why? Because they always roast their coffees to order. It's also a great gift for Father's Day, which is coming up pretty soon. Sign your dad up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and the blends that you want. They have uh, the grounds. They have whole beans. They have those little handy-dandy little roundy things for your machine. 
you'll get a uh, discount on the price and they will ship it directly to your home or your office or your dad completely free. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew is the place to go. Make sure to enter the discount codes too because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 20% off your first order of any coffee product. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Bridget Fettesi joins me now. She's a writer, comedian, host of Walk-Ins Welcome, uh, as well as the Weekly Dumpster Fire uh, over on YouTube. Uh, and you should definitely be subscribed to it as soon as possible. You can do it right now if you want. Um, she, her latest piece in The Spectator is Rebuilding Me Too. Just because politics took the movement and made it toxic doesn't mean we can't take it back. Bridget, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You have Good a. To be here. I love. Uh, it's a great piece. First of all, I love. Uh, you have some really interesting perspective and in thinking about this in, in a totally different way, which is why I love talking to you. Um, you talk about believe women and this phrase as it came down after there's a lot of really good things that happen with the Me Too movement. And then it kind of shifts into this believe women thing. And I think the idea, at least the, the, the mainstream perception of that is like we are making sure women have a voice. We're empowering them. You write in your piece that it's, it's a disempowering phrase. Why? Um, because I ultimately want to be treated as an equal. I don't find that it's helpful to infantilize women. And it just seems like putting women in a special category where they're untouchable or they're infallible or they don't lie. And we're human, just like men. And so I just want to be given the same respect and even just the same being taken seriously in the same way that men might be taken seriously. That's all I really want is that same fair shot. Yeah, because, uh, you know, but not to be treated special. Right. Um, you know, men are, are absolutely awful uh, sometimes, but you want women to have the, the agency <laughs> to be able to be awful themselves. Right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I don't I think it's we're all human beings. It's unfair to just to act like women are incapable of lying is just silly and absurd. And it also undermines due process, which I believe is fairly important to our society as it works. Yeah, kind of seems almost foundational to our society. It does seem like something we shouldn't just throw away here uh, on a whim. Uh, you know, I, I think that whole debate as it came down, and I guess it was mainly mainly popularized, uh, you know, between, you know, Weinstein and Kavanaugh, right? Where like you have this situation where Weinstein, yeah. and there's so many real people who get caught up in this and thank God they did. Um, and then you get to a Kavanaugh where it just it clearly crosses this line just into pure politics it, you know I, I it's hard to believe that anyone uh who was tweeting about these things really seemed to give uh, you know it didn't care at all about the accusation they cared about taking brett kavanaugh down and you know it, it's this difference between believing all women and taking women seriously that is a huge distinction it seems to be one now the left is trying to say that's what they meant this whole time now that Joe Biden's been accused. Uh, but that that's a really important distinction, isn't it? Yeah, and that that kind of pivot back to due process is something I'm happy about, mm. although I want to burn everything down when I read pieces like the one that was in The New York Times the other day where they were saying that believe all women is a right wing trap. And there was always this asterisk that had nuance attached to believe women, which there were plenty of women who came from the left or are left wing or considered themselves left wing who are pushing back against all of this kind of toxic 
believe all women ideology. And we got kind of piled on and nobody really wanted to hear from us. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting because I think for most people, um, I don't know if this is right, but it, my perception is uh, for most people, uh, Me Too goes back to basically Harvey Weinstein. Right. You know, it's a few years old and it was mm-hmm. this big thing that kind of exploded. And all of a sudden uh, we found out about it. But it really goes back long before that. And you point out in your piece that there's right. a time where you couldn't have possibly believed it would go too far. Um, but when it gets in, I think what happens is these things that are good get thrown into this mess of politics and it just ruins everything for everybody. Yeah, it. I was always afraid that it would become weaponized because obviously anything that is cultural, the minute it ends up in the political (laughs) Thunderdome, it just gets ruined. And Me Too seems particularly weaponizable. I know that's probably not a word, but it seems appropriate. And I just saw that shifting. You know, it started in 2006 with um, Tarana Burke and on MySpace, you know, it goes back way far back. And then it was something that was very important. I think that we needed this bipartisan um, just cleaning of house in terms of all of these industries where these predators were getting away with this for a very long time. And then it started taking this pivot to um, right around Kavanaugh in particular, where it's I saw the Democrats kind of picking this up and I was like, please don't do this. Mm. This is only going to come back to bite you in the you guys. It's only going to turn around and hurt you guys right. and everybody. Victims are the ones who hurt the most in this. Yep. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, and it's it was so entirely predictable, right? We all know. I mean, first of all, a lot of the yeah. people in the initial sort of uh, Hollywood um, collection of Me Too uh, folks were big on, on the left. I mean, th- these were m- mainly left wing figures like, you know, Harvey Weinstein and such. Um, but, you, you know, when you do this, you have to understand that, you know, this is an ugly world and y- this is going to get turned around back on you. I don't know what happened with Tara Reid and, and Joe Biden, frankly, a million years ago. But I mean, there is it, 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 I am not going to stay here and say because I don't want Joe Biden to be president, I'm going to convict him of sexual assault because it seems like I can. Like that is a terrible instinct. It brings right. up the absolute worst in all of us. And it seems to be something that we right. embrace more and more and more. This is what's so upsetting is that you see people rooting for bad things to happen so that they can be right or their team can win. So you might want hundreds of thousands of people to die of a virus so that your team can be right. Or you might be hoping that a woman was raped so that your guy wins the presidency. This if you find yourself rooting for bad things to happen so you can either be right or your team can win, I think you probably should do some soul searching and check in with maybe what where you lost your way. And it it, it does, like you said, it brings out the absolute worst in people. Yeah. It's it's definitely ugly. In fact, if you want to talk about the worst in people, you you mentioned this on uh, in your in your uh, in your story uh, as well as we've talked about it a few times. There seems to be an overt. I don't want to say it's a movement because it, it, that, that's giving it too much credit. But there's a decent amount of people, particularly in the media and in the public eye, that are openly saying, "I believe Joe Biden is guilty of doing this." Yet I'm going to vote for him anyway because Donald Trump is just oh so awful. 
And like, I mean, if you can't have the hurdle of my candidate isn't a rapist, I feel like this is a uh, th- this is way beyond where I thought people could could get to mentally. I mean, it is and it's actually not that surprising because in many ways we saw this on the right with evangelicals kind of excusing Mm -hmm. some of the behavior of the current president in order to, you know, they say the kind of um, what is it? You don't question the vessel that brings you relief. Right. So in this instance, they're saying on the left that this is a bigger problem that they'll overlook Biden's flaws in order to get him in the White House so that because there are other things at stake, like uh, Supreme Court justices and Mm -hmm. um, just the state of what they believe. And I I mean, I think I said it in the article, if this is your chance to get literally Hitler out of out of office, then you overlook whatever that person's flaws might be. But I still believe that the journey there is important and whatever principles if you have to sacrifice those on the way to winning, you really haven't won. It's true. And I have to give uh, your story credit. You actually wrote, if this is your one chance to take literally Hitler out of office, it's OK that your guy may be a little rapey was the way I believe you phrased that, which is, uh, <laughs> is brilliant. Yeah. I will say, though, like I my impression, because um, we all have this right. We all will overlook things in candidates if we're voting. You're never going to get the perfect person. There's lots of flaws you're going to overlook. This one seems to be really, really large. And, and, you know, look, the left brings up a lot that Donald Trump has been accused by many women of of similar things. Um, But my at least the people I've talked to about Donald Trump, maybe it's just them convincing themselves, but they've at least convinced themselves he's not guilty of these things. He's being attacked unfairly. He these things aren't really real. And and they're just coming after him because they don't like Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. You know, when you're actually admitting, yes, I am willing to accept a person who I believe is guilty of these terrible, terrible things I, like these are lines that and I'm sure the, the right will cross them as well. But these are lines. This is just insanity. I mean, we, if we can't have a hurdle set high, in, uh, you know, that high. In, it's a low hurdle to clear here. And we, if we can't set a hurdle, you know, this side of sexual assault. I don't I don't know where we're going as a country. Yeah, I I think, you know, with all of just my feeling about it is they're all baseless allegations for everyone. So Mm -hmm. they should all be treated kind of equally. Um, As far as the hurdle, it's it is does feel like a bit of a race to the bottom. (laughs) I I definitely (laughs) I worry about where we go from here, because really what they're doing is saying the quiet part out loud which is we will overlook this. And I'm there's a part of me that's at least grateful that they're saying it. Mm -hmm. The quiet part out loud. Okay, you are willing to overlook this and at least you're being honest. But how does how how do you reconcile that cognitive dissonance in your mind? Mm. A lot of these people who are saying this were not so long ago saying, believe all women. Very so, true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it changes fast. <laughs> Life moves pretty fast, as I believe Ferris Bueller once yeah. said. Um, the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, you talk about the, the future of the Me Too movement. And I want to I want to get one more mm-hmm. one more look at this from you, because there is a my belief on it. Looking at it is there's been a, uh, a, a focus primarily on punishing people for things they did in the past and essentially got away with. Like, guys didn't have to pay for past sins. And that's, I think, obviously has to be part of it and a good part of it. Um, 
What else, though, is there to this situation? Because I keep coming back to the idea that the best thing that can come out of this going forward would be to be able to create an environment in which uh, women are able to come forward with these things right away when evidence is possible to gather to law enforcement. So we're not and we're not guessing 40 years ago whether somebody was at a party or not, something a a situation where these things should be held and, and taken very seriously. Um, and I, I don't feel like there's any focus on that from most of the main voices that I hear discussing Me Too. Um, yeah, maybe not the main voices. I, I, I'm getting emotional. Um, the culture has shifted. So even recently, I had an experience where a young woman came into a a place where it was like a, a 12 step meeting. She looked distraught. I immediately kind of recognized the look on her face and long story short, she had gone through something very similar to what I had gone through at 19 and she was exactly the same age. And the world she lives in now is very different than the world that I lived in when that, when that happened to me. And that is a product of me too. And she said, you know, she asked me, what did you do? And I said, I don't, I can tell you what not to do because it was everything that I did. And because Mm. we live in a culture that's much more supportive of women coming forward, she has grown up in that. And she wasn't afraid to take all of the steps that I didn't take. She wasn't afraid to share these things with her parents. I mean, it, it was, it looked completely different for her. And so I think that that, get, you know, looking at these kind of individual moments and cases and and having that experience of seeing how the culture has shifted gives me so much hope that the Me Too movement was not for anything. But what I worry about is when these things get weaponized or when people are saying, oh, we're just going to overlook this, it sends the wrong message. It brings us back to, oh, your story doesn't matter. And it doesn't actually matter what happened to you. We're not going to take you seriously. Even if we do take you seriously, it doesn't it ultimately has no bearing on how this man is viewed or if he comes into power or not. So Mm. the direction that it's shifting now is um, publicly a little bit concerning to me but i do think you know the younger generation had what are they what did breitbart always say uh politics is downstream of culture Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that the culture will um kind of hold the line in this respect and that women will just feel more and more encouraged to come forward and not have to live with you know this the very thing that happened to a lot of these women could easily happen to me somebody from what happened to me could come forward and I would come forward and say that happened to me and we would all be dragged through the mud because it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I, I'm hoping that more women women are encouraged to come forward at the time so that it's um, it doesn't have to be that way. What I'm worried about is that they're not learning to weaponize this either from the culture. Mm. Yeah, well, I, at least there's some good news in what you just said. I think there was a little bit there was a little bit of sunshine there, um, which is very rare on this program. We try to keep it all negative. Um, but uh, no, that's that's a good th- way to look at it, though. I mean, at least things are going the right way. And if we can avoid throwing out the baby with the bathwater, maybe we have something here. Um, we're going to come back in just a, more, uh, a second with more yeah. with Bridget Fettesy.
Sure, most of you know uh, Bridget Phetasy from her podcast or YouTube channel. Um, but if you're not aware, she's also the star of a little show on HBO called Curb Your Enthusiasm. Watch. Oh, hello there. Hi. Hi, I'm Phil Rostal. I have a 12 o'clock. Oh, yes, Mr. David's already here. He is? Yes, right this wow. way. Wow. Very impressive. It was early. Hey, Phil! Good to see you. Sit, sit down, sit down. Now, if you don't recognize him, that's uh, Bridget's uh, supporting actor, Larry David, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. That was pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm just watching that show one night, and all of a sudden, you pop in. That was wild. You know, the most wild part, somebody on, on Twitter said, so what did they tell you just to do what you do on Twitter <laughs> because of the MAGA hat? And when I... <laughs> And when I was looking at um, the sides, you know, it's, it shows like all the props and it said MAGA hat. And I was like, oh, no, do they know who they who they have as a guest host for this MAGA episode? It's pretty cool, though. That's it's a, brilliant. You know, that's a, and it's such a such a funny show. I mean, that was, that was a very funny episode as well. Um, you also were on Joe Rogan. It was so fun. Uh, uh, just the other day. Or was it, or, yeah, what, last week, something like that? Yeah. Um, which uh, Friday, over three, yeah. three hours, uh, which is always amazing. Joe uh, has the longest interview <laughs> lengths I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and somehow they're still interesting that whole time. Uh, he's now going to go to Spotify, it looks like. A hundred million dollar contract is mm-hmm. what's reported. And like, you know, the show is obviously it's, it's a huge show. Part of the reason I feel like that show is so big, though, is that there's something about Joe Rogan. He never feels like he's tribal. There's no tribalism inside of Mm -hmm. him. And like that is it feels feels incredibly unique in the media uh, landscape right now. Yeah, I feel very like a very kindred spirit of mine. (laughs) And I think that's why we get along so well. And he um, I think he's just curious and loves people. And when you come from that place authentically and it's hard to really identify too much with any one ideology. And I really think he deserves every penny that he's earned. Mm. In many ways, he's held the line for the, the red hot American male <laughs> where even places like Playboy have kind of abandoned that position that they had. Joe has really just maintained a, a, a place for men to still be men. And I think that's really important. And I think he's a great example for men because he's always talking about bettering himself and he's always talking about, you know, being a good man. And that's important. Um, yeah, it's, it's very they, true. They're lucky to have. It. Yeah, it's, it's, it's authentic. Right. I mean, I think that's what he does. You know, the, there's something about this, the, the tribal nature. And I know the tribalism thing's been talked about a lot, but it is really important. Um, and, and the thing I think I dislike about it most is that it's, it's constantly reactionary. It's always reactionary to what the other side right. is saying. It's not even your position all this time. I keep coming back to things like, you know, you, you see this people flip, flipping and flopping on people all the time. You know, Kanye West was this crazy person to the right. And then he started saying good things about Trump and he was the greatest person in the world. Elon Musk is a guy who's like taking spaceships to, to escape global warming and everyone on the right can't stand him. Now he's on, you know, now and now the left is, is abandoning him because He's saying he wants to open his business. But but these are just human things. These lines aren't as bright as I think we make them. Right. Particularly now, I I feel like and Joe and I were talking about this on his podcast that day is it's this culture that kind of gave rise to even people like me 
where I stumbled kind of backwards into the culture wars. I didn't realize that they were so intense. And then they, everybody, you know, my friend the other day said, everybody's getting radicalized. And you, it takes an enormous amount of effort to de-radicalize yourself. You know, and I see something, I going, me reading the news now is any single headline or anything that I see that might confirm my bias, I'll look at it and say, okay, um, this is a little too flattering to something I believe. That means I need to doubly check yeah. my sources and check if it's even real. And it takes time and it's easier to just be like, I'm mad, click. Yeah, yeah, you know, and especially when you don't think about the person on the other side of the click as a person, it gets easy right. and you're, you're gone, you're right. back into your day and they're sitting there obsessing over your stupid tweet. Uh, Bridget, we gotta leave it there, we're, we're short on time here, um, but that was fantastic. Thanks so much for doing this okay. and, uh, and spending some time. Thank with, you. Uh, Bridget Fettese, she's a writer, comedian, host of Walk-Ins Welcome, also weekly, weekly dumpster, dumpster Fire over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that. Obviously, you can subscribe to HBO to see her on Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Uh, been a real pleasure. Bridget, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Stu. All right, back thanks. in a second. The SAT and ACT are often thought of as simply inconvenient tests that students have to give up a Saturday to take a few times junior and senior year. Uh, the reality, though, is that the SAT and ACT are the two most powerful forces driving the curriculum in the United States today. I feel like there should be other options, right? Shouldn't there? Um, and there's no question that right now uh, the, uh, the college boards and everything, you know, you're getting into a, a whole mess when it comes to that. Um, last year, the college, I love this, last year the college board had students reading Bernie Sanders op-eds in the SAT. Come on. Come on, you're killing me. Uh, good news is that there is a new company taking on the SAT and the ACT, the Classic Learning Test, or CLT. Been around for about four years. It's already been adopted by more than 200 colleges, and nearly every college will now consider CLT scores for at least supplemental uh, component of your application. CLT is shorter than the SAT and the ACT. That's the thing I would have liked about it the most. Uh, and students can now take it from the comfort of their own home. A lot of these tests have been canceled, obviously, for, what, for everything that's going on. The CLT has one more uh, test on June 20th, Rapidly approaching. Um, with all this stuff canceled, this is a great time to get involved with CLT. Check them out. Uh, there are, I think, 8,000 seats remaining. Uh, so you, if you want to get in online, you got to do that right now. If you uh, are a high schooler, you know a high schooler, you have, uh, have one yourself, don't miss out on your chance to uh, save your seat and register today. Hundreds of colleges are already offering tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships for CLT scores. Don't let your kid get tortured by Bernie Sanders op-eds. Just not right. Uh, to register uh, for the June 20th official exam, uh, go to cltexam.com. It's cltexam.com. cltexam.com. Register now. Joining me now, Jason Puttrell. He's the head writer of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Jason, we're kind of all inundated on a, a daily basis with coronavirus stuff. We've probably missed a lot of other important things uh, going on, uh, like, you know, the 2020 election. There's a big thing going on with Joe Biden and this Ukraine story we've been following for a while. Can you walk me through this? Because these webs are a little complicated. Yeah, for sure. I thought this story was over pretty much. And we were just kind of in a holding pattern to wait for more information. And then a couple of days ago, we were out of the holding pattern with more information that came out. Um, First off, the first information that came out uh, was that there is an actual active criminal investigation now against Joe Biden in Ukraine, which is amazing because no one's heard about that. Mm -hmm. We didn't hear about it because the prosecutor general that Biden got fired in the quid pro Joe thing, yeah. um, he, uh, Shokin, his name is Victor Shokin, he has been actively pursuing legal action in Ukraine. 
So um, he's he, not in the role anymore. So how is he? What is, what's he doing? So he's literally he's basically just kind of filing a grievance, okay. saying that I was wronged uh, mm-hmm. by Joe Biden and uh, I shouldn't have been, you know, kicked out of my position. So that he's actually filed a case against him. Well, that was approved, and I think the end of February ish. And the judge was like, okay, there's enough evidence here to suggest that a criminal action happened against you because of Joe Biden. So the judge ordered the current prosecutor general in Ukraine. There's, it seems like there's about 12 of these prosecutor generals are constantly in and that's like a revolving door over there. Um, but he ordered the current prosecutor general to investigate Joe Biden and to publicly name Joe Biden as the target in this. Well, the prosecutor general didn't do that. So how we've heard about this now and how it's just come out, I think yesterday, was that the uh, Victor Shokin has renewed his uh, his case against it and said, the judge told you to go after this. Now is the time. Why haven't you started it? And it's it's interesting primarily because there's an actual criminal case yeah. against the, the the person that will probably be the Democrat nominee in the next election. Yeah. And considering also, no one else is running, you'd think that would be a lock, but not with Joe Biden. Right, not with Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this is not going away. Ukrainian media is all over this almost simultaneously. Um, and this is, it seems like every time I'm on your show, something insane has happened, whether it's in Venezuela or wherever, but this is absolutely nuts. So there is a Ukrainian member of parliament that just dropped a ton of leaked audio recordings between John Kerry and the, speaking from, I think the state department, like an official call, mm. it should be an, an encrypted call between John Kerry and the then president of Ukraine, Poroshenko. And there's talking very specifically about uh, that Biden was coming into the into Ukraine, uh, you know, pretty soon. And they and Biden wanted something done with that prosecutor general, Victor Shokin. Again, this is the guy that I think our evidence pretty much kind of shows, I, I believe, I fully believe that he got him fired because he was looking into Victor Shokin was looking into Burisma and the fact mm. that Hunter Biden was on the board. Um, now we have John Kerry specifically saying look into this guy then the next the next phone call that was released was um actual audio between biden and poroshenko of poroshenko saying hey basic well actually i think it's better if we just hear it straight from his mouth this is what he said yesterday i met meet with the general prosecutor shocking and despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong. I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday. I especially asked him to resign. He promised me to give me the statement on, on resignation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can hear throughout that call Joe Biden's voice going back and forth, but I mean, it's a, it's a long call. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's saying, we don't have anything on this guy, but we fired him anyway because you asked us to. Right. It, it's, it sounds almost like he's doing this specifically because he knows it's being recorded. Mm-hmm. Oh, like a record. Yeah. Because why else would you say that? Like, look, you wanted us to fire this guy. I have no evidence whatsoever. He's never been charged with a crime. I have no idea why you're asking me to do this. But fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going to withhold a billion dollars, you know, and blackmail me out of this, fine, we did it. Now, this is significant because it shows the quid pro quo, which was supposedly, you know, a big no-no. Right. Specifically shows that that did indeed happen. Now, the thing, the issue now is, and this ties into some more information that's starting to come out now. So the Biden people, the Biden camp and the Democrats will basically use the exact same defense that Donald Trump used on his 
quid pro quo. No, and, no. And no, that, no, no, not this again. Seriously. Where everyone's going to flip sides all, all over again. Absolutely. And, oh, that's geez. what they're doing. Because so so with with Trump, it was he was going after corruption. Right. And um, and we've spoken about that extensively. He was just going after corruption. That's why he was looking into and, into Burisma. Biden's camp is going to say the same thing. In fact, they're already saying the same thing. They're saying, yeah, he did a quid pro quo, but it was because of the corruption. He was going after corruption. The exact same thing. Now, the difference here will be, can they actually prove that to be true? Can they actually prove that, look, it had nothing to do with Burisma, had nothing to do with Hunter Biden being, uh, you know, uh, uh, investigated. It was all about him and this corruption supposedly with Shokin. Mm -hmm. Now, did you see the subpoenas that were that were just going that are just starting to go out? From yeah, the, I've seen some of this. Yeah. So Blue Star Strategies, Blue, Blue Star Strategies, they're, they're the ones that are getting subpoenaed. Mm-hmm. Now, this is significant because if you're going to prove whether it's within emails or other communications that Blue Star was hired specifically to lobby um, to get them not to look at Hunter Biden and Burisma, these are the people you talk to. Now, I actually have a source. I have a source in Ukraine. I have a source also, also that has something to do with Blue Star. And this source has told me that there are those communications that are out there. Um, they do look damning. And that these communications will start to come out. <laughs> well, there's sh- much more than this. There's much more than yeah. that. So there's a ton. I guess a ton of people already have all this information. It's just kind of like a tiered release. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're using it to make maximum impact, seemingly in the United States, yeah, it's not really. I mean, obviously, there's a big part of this that's Ukrainian politics as well. But there's no reason to hold it this long if it's just Ukraine, is there? Right. No. Well, no. And I think a lot of people will say that, see, this is just Putin trying to help his good buddy Trump, uh, Donald Trump again. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely false. Now, there are some Russian uh, there are some Russian actors, a, p- a part of some of this, I believe. I, th- I think some of the way that this uh, this leaked out to that <laughs> Ukrainian parliament had Russia involved with it. Yeah. Um, but it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with Ukraine. Um, Russia wants to delegitimize Ukraine, the current government of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, they want some kind of settlement in you know, the East and Crimea. They want that to be legitimized. This has everything to do with that. There's elections coming up in October, I believe, in Ukraine. So this is targeted very specifically for Ukrainians. But they know because Joe Biden's name is attached to it, Western media is going to run with this hardcore. Yeah, which just increases the pressure in Ukraine as well. Exactly. Uh, that much more. So the, the president sitting here talking to Joe Biden, to John Kerry, this seems to be recorded in his office. Yeah. Like it's, he's on speaker and you, that's the because he's coming not through the phone. It doesn't seem like it's a tapped line is guess what I'm getting at. Right. Um, it may have been a bugged office or it was an intentionally recorded uh, in his office. Why like, knowing that uh, setup? Why would we trust the fact that they didn't believe he was doing anything wrong? Why would why would we believe that? Well, okay. so on that, uh, on the source of of this information, I've also asked my source within Mm -hmm. Ukraine. And this person told me that the person that this was taken from someone very close to the president's administration. Mm -hmm. So someone within the administration was the one that got their hands on the recording and then got it out of the building. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is that I know this is so shady. So the whole area is so shady. This government, all the governments in this area seem to have the same characteristics, which is everyone you you mentioned, like these these uh, inspector generals are coming in and out uh, constantly. And it's like a prosecutor general. That's because everybody's got a new friend. Everyone's got the new guy. They got to get in there. Everyone has some crap on the old guy that used to be in there. And there's just a constant cycle of corruption. It's, it does seem to be really corrupt. I, I got this feeling that literally if you want to get into some crazy 
oligarch craziness. Yeah. You just just fly into the airport in Kiev. Yeah. Just fly in. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a line of suits, you yeah. know, with their bodyguards next to them, and mm -hmm. just go right up and get into whatever you want to get into. Um, the insane part is the, the how many people are involved in some of these leaks. So go along, going along with those lines, there is the Russian government and the mm -hmm. people within Ukraine that are aligned with the Russians. They have this information. They also they have their own schedule of when to release some of these leaks. You're going to see it from them. Then you have members within the Ukrainian government who also want to get close to you know, people like the Trump administration, other Western nations. They're also going to release some of these leaks on their own. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then my source also told me that people within the U.S. government also have this as well. And they've got their own political motivations. They're also going to be planning releasing some of this. So what's hilarious is we had a not even a full transcript. We had a transcribed message of the Trump call with Zelensky. Mm -hmm. That's all we had. Yep. We didn't have any. I don't I don't. Did we have did we have the actual audio to that? I don't think no, so. No, it was just the transcription because they kept complaining how it's not really a transcript. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's all we had. That that justified the impeachment just on that. Mm -hmm. We have the actual phone calls. We have full transcripts, which will be coming out soon, unedited. That's that's what I've been told, that mm -hmm. they will be coming out soon. And all this other information, and I still don't believe this will go, this won't go yeah. near the distance that the other one did. Yeah. Uh, and it, we're, we're running out of time here, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see that. Like, I kept thinking to myself, there's no way stuff something comes out of this against people in the old administration this high up unless there's a tape of this you know joe biden saying yeah well you know look i don't want my son investigated here it would have to be almost that clear at this point when we know there's all these recordings i doubt it's that clear but we don't have no idea what's on these things we might see something that is legitimately damning and easy enough for the american people to understand that they don't want any more of this yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got we got to take a break. Uh, tonight is the TV show uh, with Glenn. You can make sure you watch that. It's coming up right after this program. If you're watching, uh, also uh, make sure to subscribe to BlazeTV.com/slash Stu. You can always get access to this show. All shows going back. Uh, use the promo code Stu, however, uh, so you know the big wigs know that you like this stupid show, and I get uh, to take ten bucks off your price. So why not? Back in a minute. So there's, what, 36 million people out of work right now. I know not everybody can subscribe to blazetv.com slash stew with the promo code stew. I got it. Um, but if you have the time and you can do kind of the, the stupid free crap we always, always have to bug you to, to do, subscribe, rate, and review, it really helps us out. It's our best way to grow the show right now. We're, we're still a little baby show. We're just getting started. So if you can help us out and, and do that stuff, I know it's annoying for me to have to ask every day, but I do appreciate it. We have some great reviews here from... Uh, iTunes, uh, great show, Laughing and Learning, a show that does not take itself too serious, but shows in a fun way some great information with some good guest interviews. Five freaking stars, which is the correct number of stars, by the way. Uh, the next one actually begins. Five freaking stars. Whatever. I listen to this podcast daily. It is great. Whatever. And at the top, it says five freaking stars. And at the bottom, we have a great show. Excellent work, Stu. My new favorite show. The show keeps me getting better and better. You got me through quarantine with sanity intact. Five freaking stars. I will say your sanity may be intact, but your hair probably isn't. And I bought this. This is a uh, this is an air cut. Now, this is like a knockoff Floby. It's like the new Floby. And you plug it in and, and you put it up against your hair and it supposedly cuts your hair all evenly. I was going to I was going to have to do it, but then Texas opened. I was des I was to the point where I was about to put this thing to my head and uh, I didn't. It's here now. And I thought if there's someone out there in quarantine who wants it, maybe I'll give it away to someone who's who's listening or watching right now. If you go, if you go to iTunes, when you're writing your little five star review, you can put in there. Tell me your horror story of your hair. 
And if we get a good one, then we'll send you the air cut. I mean, this thing's going to work. I'm pretty confident it's going to work. I may, I, I, I don't want to give it up, but I will for you. We'll see you tomorrow.